Many people are using the FaithFi app to help provide the wisdom, community, and money management to stay on track, financially speaking. To date, over 37,000 members are using its digital envelope system, participating in our community forums, and engaging in virtual workshops. And one of the most convenient features is the ability to keep all your accounts in one place for an easy at-a-glance view. You can choose from one of three options depending on your management style, and it's available on desktop or mobile. Go to faithfy.com and click App to get started. If you're a contract worker, and more people are these days, you probably have irregular hours and pay. So how do you budget? Hi, I'm Rob West. Developing a budget isn't difficult if you know how much money you have to spend. But what if your income keeps changing? Then what do you do? Well, I'll share a few tricks today to help, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance biblical wisdom for your financial decisions. Well, new data shows that employers are using about 25% more contract workers now than a year ago, largely due to fears of recession. That means a lot more people are struggling to budget with income that varies from week to week. But the need to budget doesn't change just because your paycheck does. Spending less than you earn is the key to every financial success. It's the foundation that everything else is built upon. It's nearly impossible to stay out of debt and save without a spending plan. This is a plan for your money. It gives every dollar a job and directs the flow of money in and out of your accounts. You'll never be able to maximize your giving and saving without a spending plan. And this applies to everyone, whether you're an employee or a contract worker. It's imperative as a Christian that you wisely manage the resources God's given you. Uh, Proverbs 27:23 reads, "Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds." Having a spending plan means you know, either specifically or on average, how much you have coming in and going out and where those monies are directed. You'll have to give an account someday for how you manage money, so you need to have a plan. Now, the format you choose for your spending plan is up to you. You can use pencil and paper, or you can take a digital approach, and for that, we recommend highly the FaithFi app. You'll find it in your app store. Just search for FaithFi, Faith and Finance. It will help you set up your budget using the tried-and-true envelope system, and it has the best financial content from a host of Christian authors like Shanti Feldhahn, Art Rayner, and Randy Alcorn. So get the Faith and Finance app if you haven't already, or you can learn more at faithfi.com. Just click on the App tab. No matter which approach you choose, begin by tracking your expenses for 30 days. Capture every expense, no matter how small. Then, think about the non-recurring expenses and add them in with a monthly amount needed to have what's necessary when that expense rolls around. This would be quarterly insurance payments, an annual homeowners association fee, vacation expenses, or your Christmas fund. Then take that 30 days of actual spending, plus the non-recurring expenses I just mentioned, and build a budget by category. Once you take a first pass, you'll need to do the hard work of bringing the budget in line with your income and making sure that your spending reflects your goals and priorities. 
If it doesn't, that's where you need to start cutting back and making changes. Uh, by the way, if you use the FaithFi app, you'll find its envelope system particularly helpful for controlling the flow of money in your discretionary categories, which are the typical budget busters because, well, they vary from month to month. These are things like eating out, shopping for clothes, gifts, and entertainment. You'll also have to decide who manages the budget going forward, husband or wife. We all have different gifts and talents. Sometimes the more detailed, organized person is the wife. Sometimes it's the husband. You've got to figure out what's the best approach for you. You can have one person being the bookkeeper, and I recommend that you do, but both spouses need to be in on the plan and the commitment to sticking with it. This is why we recommend, and Howard Dayton, the former host of this program, has recommended for many years that you have a weekly money date. That's when you come together each week to review the spending for the last seven days, make course corrections, no finger pointing, and address the unexpected. And of course, the unexpected is always going to happen. So we've covered the variable expenses. Now here's what to do about the variable income, which is key for most contractors. Start with what you do know. What was your average monthly income for the last six months? Can you reasonably expect to earn the same amount in the next six months? The goal is to arrive at a budget that can be covered by the average or slightly below average amount you expect to earn each month. In the months you earn more, keep the excess in savings to fund the lean months. You may also want to consider depositing all of your income into savings and then transferring only a set amount each month for living expenses. And that's how contractors or anyone can budget successfully on a variable income. All right, your calls are next, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. Are you searching for a way to become a better, faithful steward of the resources that God has given you? Well, download the FaithFi app and join the 37,000 others who are already using our app. The FaithFi app will provide you with wisdom, community, and simply help you stay on track with your finances. We have three money management options to choose from, so find an option that fits your unique needs. It's available on desktop or mobile. Simply go to faithfi.com and click app to get started. We're grateful for support from Movement Mortgage, who provides residential home loans in all 50 states. Guided by a mission to love and value people and a goal to redefine the mortgage process, Movement seeks to help others achieve their financial goals. You can find out more at movement.com slash faith. Movement Mortgage LLC supports equal housing opportunity, NMLS number 39179. For licensing information, please visit nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. That's 800 800- 
525-7000. Before we head back to the phones, here we are nearly at the end of the month. And as a listener-supported ministry, staying on budget every month is key for us to continue to do the work that the Lord has called us to. And so if you'd like to uh, become a financial supporter of this ministry with your chari- uh, with your tax-deductible gift, we'd certainly appreciate that, whether you become a uh, monthly supporter or with a one-time gift. It would go a long way to Toward helping us meet our monthly goals, uh, continuing to do the ministry that we have here at Faith and Finance. So if you just head to our website, faithfi.com, that's faithfi.com, and click Give if you've found some benefit in the work that we do here on this radio broadcast and the other ministry resources we make available, we'd certainly appreciate it. Again, faithfi.com, just click Give, and thanks in advance. All right, back to the phones we go. Chattanooga, Tennessee. Tracy, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Hey, how you doing today? I'm well, thank you. I'm glad you took my call. Listen, I'm going to try to make it as brief as I possibly can. Okay. Um, I be- I believe in paying tithes, yeah. but I've had I had in the past a really bad experience. So I listened to you guys, and I listened to another a couple of faith based channels, but I just yeah. I don't trust people anymore. So I and my God has been telling me, you know, you need to pay your tithe, but I don't have a church. Um, I've been in Chattanooga now for a minute, but I have not found a church home. So I decided today to just call you and to see, you know, what your opinion would be, you know, about somebody like me. I know I should be paying the tithe, but I just don't trust anybody, and I don't think that they're going to do what they're supposed to do with the money that God has blessed me to govern. Yeah. So I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, uh, let me just first encourage you. God doesn't need our money. He wants our hearts. He's always been about our hearts. And giving is one of the ways that we calibrate our hearts to the Father out of an overflow of gratitude for what God has done for us by, first of all, sending His Son, Jesus, to pay the penalty for our sin through the substitutionary atonement on the cross and His resurrection, that we might be adopted into His family. Out of gratitude for that, we say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. And one of the ways I can do that is taking a portion of what you've entrusted to me, because it all belongs to you, and redirecting it back as an act of worship, as a demonstration of my trust, as really uh, an understanding that God's provision is complete and sufficient, and the joy that comes from being a part of God's activity, connected into His work, whether that's through the local church or around the globe. Now, how do we go about that? Well, I think it starts with giving systematically and proportionately, using the principle of the tithe as a great starting point to the local church. That was God's plan A. doesn't mean that the local church is perfect, but it does mean it was ordained by God as a part of how we as a community of believers come together, uh, not a physical building, but the joining together of God's people in service to Him to edify and build one another up, but also to take the gospel to our communities and to the ends of the earth. And we should support the work of the local church. We see that clearly in the Old Testament law, but we also see that modeled in Acts and the New Testament and various places that we should be supporting God's work. Now, I think it's really important, uh, Tracy, that you 
find a local fellowship, and it sounds like you're certainly looking in that way. Hebrews 3 tells us specifically to guard our hearts lest they become hardened and exhort one another to remain faithful. Well, I think that's difficult to do if you're not a part of the body of Christ in a local church fellowship. And when you find that church home, you can absolutely begin to give systematically and proportionately a tithe, uh, which means a tenth, to that local church. In the meantime, where do you give? Well, I would just ask the Lord to lead you. Could be that you give a weekly tithe as you visit a church, because uh, I would make it a priority to be visiting churches there in Chattanooga. And I happen to know there's some wonderful churches there in Chattanooga. And as you visit, perhaps you give a tithe. Maybe you take and direct that as the Lord leads to another ministry that while you're looking for a new church home is God has, is using to build you up in your faith. Um, but I think the key is for you to look in earnest for that place that God would plant you so you can get involved and invested, be a part of the body of Christ in a local fellowship, and be a faithful giver in whatever the way the Lord leads while you're looking, and ultimately when you find that new church home as a faithful and active giver. Does that all make sense, though? Yeah, what you just said made plenty makes. I listen to you guys all the time. Like I said, you make plenty of sense, but can you tell me how to get me out the way so I can actually do what I'm supposed to do because I'm scared? To be honest yeah. with you, I'm just scared, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Um, I'm sure that you've had many people to call and say, well, you know, I've dealt with this, I've dealt with that. And um, I know that the money belongs to God, but I'm just, I'm like, well, God, it belongs to you. Why am I governing over it? Because you know I'm not worthy of governing over it. I don't make the best decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the key is to renew your mind here, Tracy, and to be in God's Word, to remind yourself of His promises, to not buy into the cultural worldview of money, which would tell you, well, it's built on materialism, encouraging you to spend all that you have, to be discontent with what you have, to measure your self-worth according to your net worth. None of that uh, follows a biblical worldview. It also can lead to, lead to fear, the whole what-if Game. And fear is ultimately a demonstration uh, of a lack of trust in God and His provision. Uh, often fear comes from the what if. You know, I play that what if game that makes me think about what can go wrong in the future. The problem is we can't see the future and uh, we would worry about it uh, even if we could. And so that worry then leads to fear, and that's ultimately a spiritual trap. It's the opposite of trust. Well, the the antidote to that is God's Word, because we remind ourselves that Jesus has overcome the world. Uh, God is in control of the details. The enemy wants us to worry about what we might lose. But in Christ, Tracy, you and I know that we gain so much more. So I think we can be confident that we can trust God with our future and claim 2 Timothy 1.7, for, for God gave us a spirit uh, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And so what I'd like to do is send you, um, it's a Bible, actually, uh, a full, a complete Old and New Testament. Uh, it's called the Stewardship Bible. And our friends at the American Bible Society, along with Compass Finances God's Way, uh, actually publish this Bible, and every passage related to money is highlighted in green. Uh, 
And what I'd love to challenge you to do in the coming days and months, uh, Tracy, is just begin to meditate on God's Word and read those passages in green in particular, and see if God doesn't give you perhaps a, a new vision for what it looks like to trust Him completely, to get to, to replace fear with faith, and ultimately to be able to be a generous giver wherever God plants you in the days ahead. How does that sound? Did we lose you? Nope. I said that's not Okay, great. Well, listen, uh, God bless you, Tracy. We'll be praying for you. You stay on the line. We'll get your information and get that Bible right out to you. I'm Rob West. You're listening to Faith and Finance, and we'll have more of your calls and questions on the other side of this break. The number to call is 800-525-7000. We'll be right back. God has entrusted his finances to you, and we at FaithFi have designed our FaithFi app to help you live, give, owe, and grow with that perspective. Our FaithFi app is the leading biblically-based finance app. You can manage your money, get top biblical financial resources, and interact with a community of like-minded believers, where you can ask questions, get answers, and share what you're learning. Go to faithfi.com and click the word app to get started. We are grateful for support from Praxis Mutual Funds. Praxis Mutual Funds has seven impact strategies that are designed to create positive real-world change. More information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. The fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses are contained in the prospectus and summary prospectus. This and other information is available at PraxisMutualFunds.com. Investments involve risk. Principal loss is possible. Foreside Fund Services, LLC. Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm your host, Rob West. The number to call is 800-525-7000. I'm looking forward to hearing from you as we take your calls and questions from across the country. In fact, let's head to uh, Chicago, WMBI. Hi, Tammy. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Thank you for taking my question. Um, Sure. Yes, I've been saving up to pay off my auto loan. And I wanted to know, instead of saving up a lump sum, is it better just to pay an extra payment each month, or which would be the better um, solution? Yeah, so you're you're trying to pay off your car loan. How much do you owe on this, uh, Tammy? Uh, 7000 and I have like 3500 saved up. Okay, so you, you owe $7,000. you have got 3500 saved up. Is this in addition to what I would call your emergency fund? Yes. Okay. All right. And and so this money is really set aside specifically for the car, the thirty five hundred. That's what I'm saving it for. Yes. Okay. Great. Yeah. So I think for that reason, um, you know, assuming you've got your emergency fund separate, I'd go ahead and send it uh, along to the car, uh, you know, loan. Pay that down by thirty five hundred dollars. Now you only owe another thirty five hundred, and then as you have surplus every month, I'd you know just go ahead and send that on on top of the payment, and let's just get this paid off as quick as you can. And then as soon as you do, obviously, now you have the full car payment available for whatever your priorities are, whether that's continuing to fund it, you know, the next car purchase with a, a savings account, so you're paying cash next time, or maybe you're, you know, directing it to something else. But I think if you've got the money earmarked for debt reduction, uh, you might as well go ahead and send it along now and get this paid off as quick as you can. 
Okay, that sounds great. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Tammy. We appreciate your call today. Uh, let's head to Wheaton, Illinois. Dave, I understand uh, you have a testimony. Tell us uh, what's going on in your life. Uh, thanks, Rob. I just want a long-time listener. I, I didn't know when this day would come, but uh, mm. today it came and I made my last house payment. I am debt-free. Dave. It is such a relief. And uh, if you don't uh, have a plan, um, if you fail to plan, you you plan to fail. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Dave, I'm so glad we could celebrate this with you. That is absolutely incredible. Congratulations. I can imagine that that feels really good, that you uh, were able to make that payment. You now own your home free and clear. And perhaps if you have a fireplace tonight, you're enjoying a fire there in Wheaton. Maybe you, you toss that uh, last statement in and celebrate the fact that uh, you don't owe anybody anything with regard to your home. It's uh, That deed is now fully uh, in your name, unencumbered. And that's a great place to be because here's the thing. It's not just about being able to say, well, I'm debt free. It's really about being free to serve the Lord. Because when we pursue him and we're unencumbered, uh, we have the ability to say, Lord, I'm ready to live or die, give or go. And wherever you're going to lead me, I'm going to follow. And this gives you uh, a much more flexibility to do that uh, as you pay off that house. Dave, uh, if you were to summarize perhaps some of the principles you learned listening, I assume all the way back to Larry Burkett and uh, even in recent days, what's allowed you to get to this point where you sent your last mortgage payment today? Um. I tithe first, okay, um, and I follow a budget. Wow, yeah. It sounds simple, but it's not, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks listening saying, I, I'm, I would love to be doing that, and, and unfortunately I'm not. Uh, but you had a plan. Uh, you've stuck to your plan and you prioritize giving. And I think that's absolutely uh, the right approach. And I suspect this was pretty important to you and you made some sacrifices along the way to make it happen. Is that right? Well, certainly you, you've got to set your priorities and the Lord is first. And when you have a good partner, um, they can be an encouragement to you too. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I'm so delighted uh, to hear that, uh, Dave. Listen, congratulations. All the best to you. And um, I'm, I'm so thrilled that you called to celebrate this with us today. I know uh, what you shared will be an encouragement to others that are on the same track and, and praying and hoping to be right where you are in the days ahead. God bless you, my friend. And uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, let's head to Cleveland. Steve, uh, you'll help us round out the program here today. Go right ahead, sir. Steve, are you with us in Cleveland? Uh, go ahead, sure. Yes. Um, yeah, so I have like 700000 in my savings or my financial planner account. How do I go about getting that money like sent to me on a monthly basis? Yeah. Uh, so what type of account is this, Steve? Do you know? Is it an well, IRA or a taxable account? It's, it's an IRA and a 401k. Okay. All right. And so is your advisor managing both or just the IRA? Um, he's managing both, but then I, I also have some with my work, uh, my work account. So. Okay. All right. And have you separated from your employer or are you still working? Uh, I'm still working. 
Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, it would be as simple as just calling your advisor and saying, listen, uh, number one, you know, I need you to know I'm, I need to start drawing from this account uh, to supplement my income. And basically, they'll just set up a monthly either electronic transfer or a check to be cut every month and sent directly to you. And the total of those distributions every year is going to be added to your taxable income. And your advisor will manage the money accordingly, both with regard to the investment mix, making sure that it's not overly aggressive, uh, given your stage of life and the fact that you're moving from capital appreciation to capital income and distribution where the money is now coming out to you. That's a very common thing. They'll be ready for that. So I think this just entails a conversation with your advisor about what you're needing to do. They'll get that set up. They do it every day and uh, every month on a certain day, you'll have that show up in your account and you'll be all set. We appreciate your call today, my friend. God bless you. Robin, thank you for calling. Go ahead. Hi, I'm calling about a house that my sister and I inherited from my mother when she passed away. And now we're wondering, do we have to pay? And then we sold the house after she'd passed away. Do we pay proper capital gains tax on that, what we received from the sale? Yeah, the the, uh, rule on that, Robin, is that at the date of death, uh, the new cost basis would have been established. So as an inherited piece of property, uh, whatever that fair market value was as of the date of death is the new cost basis. So the only way you would pay capital gains on the sale is if uh, you sold it for more than the market value as of the date of death. But it was if it was in a relatively short period of time, the likelihood is you don't have anything. You could even have sold it you know, for slightly less than that. So uh, you probably don't have any capital gains on that, but that would be how you would know. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes good sense. Thank you very much. Okay. I appreciate uh, the information. Absolutely. No problem, Robin. Thank you for listening to the program and for calling today. Well, we're almost out of time. If you like today's program, why not share it with a friend? And while you're at it, share the FaithFi app with them as well. Help us get the word out. Thanks for listening and sharing, and I hope you'll come back and join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you. 